0: hey y'all welcome to another episode it's actually the 40th episode of assault with morals i'm your host ruby may you can follow me on every and any social media platforms by entering assault with morals on any search engine i hope you all had a happy thanksgiving i know i gained about five to 35 pounds eating nothing but leftovers this weekend well actually this entire week really so at the beginning of this week I posted a question to my instagram story and asked what y'all wanted me to talk about and of course you guys asked from some very habanero to very mild cholula questions and some of them were actually pretty good questions now, before we get into this, I do want to shout out Black Rifle Coffee Company for waking me up with their light roast gunship brew. Seriously, it's the best. I just want to thank you so much at Black Rifle Coffee Company because you guys wake me up in the mornings and let me get shit done. All right, let's get into this. One of the Questions that I was asked was how to deal with mismatched libidos, sexual libidos, and you guys. Honestly, I just I want to thank you guys for coming to me with these type of questions instead of just going to Google, and you know that's obviously the easier choice. But you guys asked for my opinion, and although I am not a licensed professional, I still want to thank you very very much for even asking because. I will do the research for you. So how do you deal with mismatched libidos? Honestly, so many couples have this problem. So I want you all to know that you are not the only one. Um, Sex and having sex kind of ends up going down almost immediately after the honeymoon phase. Or after kids start happening, a new job, different types of stress, depression, maybe a death in the family. Literally anything can happen. And that will mess up your mood, right? So sometimes you just lose interest in your partner, unfortunately, after having sex with them all the time at first. Which is why I always say space it out. I'd rather have mind-blowing sex twice a week than mediocre sex every day. For me, it's definitely quality versus quantity. And I know that sometimes the issues in a couple's sex life are more symptomatic than casual. And... When you start working and trying to improve the emotional connection with each other, the sexual side of your relationship will most likely also improve. I mean, if you take the time to help with the daily chores, the housework, um, helping with kids, things that, you know, it's the little things. And I, I always say this. It's the little things in a relationship that turn into big things, right? So this can be a super tricky topic to navigate, However, it can also be the case that two people have a genuine difference in their interest in sex and that is largely unrelated to the quality of the relationship. So this can be a very tricky topic to navigate and without intervention it can be very detrimental to your relationship. So I went on Google and I found this article from cornerstoneclinic.ca and I will have that in the description below as well and for the record the vast majority of couples will have some type of discrepancy in their libidos, especially long-term couples past the honeymoon stage. It's very unlikely that two people will be super perfectly matched, but they will never ever have a difference in their desire for sex. However, if this discrepancy persists over time, it can start to cause problems such as dissatisfaction, hurt feelings, feelings of rejection, and resentment. And a huge thing in relationship nowadays is, well, people do start resenting each other. Always rejecting your partner will hurt way more than help. And if you're not opening up as to why you're rejecting your partner, that can hurt even more. So the first, this article listed like five different things that you can do to help your libido, you know, if it's mismatched or whatever. And one of these, the first one was simple, but it seems to be effective ways to start making sense of this with your partner is to assign yourself a sex number. Basically, what this is is on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of sexuality and your own personal interest in sex? How does your partner rate themselves? If there's a big difference between these two numbers, you can use that information to start kind of making sense of the patterns that have developed. You know, like, oh, of course I initiate sex more often, I'm an eight. And there are three and I don't mean looks wise I mean in your sexual libido like if I'm dating someone and I'm an eight and there are three which they don't crave it as much as I do that you know is that's just your regular sex number by giving yourself a number and knowing your partners you can kind of start to see things a little bit more objectively and this can really be helpful in preventing the mind reading that that can often occur For example, assuming your partner isn't initiating because of their lack of interest in you specifically or that your partner is persistently trying to initiate with you because all they care about is sex. It may be worth noting here that while stereotypically we might assume that the man in a heterosexual couple would always have the higher number, this is not the case. In many instances, it is the woman who is initiating more and the man who has less interest in sex. Another thing to keep in mind, there is a tendency for people, including health professionals, to assume that the partner with the lower sex drive is the quote-unquote problem in the relationship and that if you have a libido on the lower end of the scale, that there is something to be fixed. This is in part due to the culture that we live in. You know, we see sexy commercials. We are watching sexy teenagers on Nickelodeon and Disney. We're watching sexy... I don't know fucking pageants and shit like sex sells right there's always sexy commercials on TV there's always sexy commercials even on the radio they make everything sound so sexual but you know that's that's that doesn't necessarily mean that that you or your partner are gonna want to have sex every single day all the time you know there's things that have to get you know even I say it like I don't have time to have sex all day I got shit I gotta do right That doesn't necessarily mean that anything is wrong with you. And sometimes there might be something going on medically or psychologically that is lowering you or your partner's sex drive, and addressing this might be warranted. But do your best not to subscribe to the mentality that a higher sex drive is necessarily a healthier sex drive. Remember, there is such a thing as sex addiction. What constitutes a normal sex drive is relative if two ones are together, then their sex life will likely be perfectly acceptable for both of them, even if that means very infrequent sex. And that's how you get your sex number. Rate yourself, have your partner rate themselves, and go from there. Second on this list was empathize with each other. Determining your sex number can be a really helpful first step to understanding how your partner thinks about and values sexual intimacy in the relationship. In doing this, you can also try to introduce some empathy for each other. Meaning, imagine how it might feel to be the other partner in the relationship. Imagine switching roles with each other. What would it be like to be said no to most times I try to initiate sex? Can I imagine that I might feel rejected? Or what would it feel like to always have to say no to someone? Would I maybe feel not heard or disrespected? Keep in mind that the goal is not to determine who is wrong or right or whose behavior is good or bad. It's simply about trying to more fully understand your partner's experience in the relationship. This can lay the groundwork for more compassion, honesty, and ultimately, problem solving. Three, redefine successful sex. For many couples, particularly heterosexual couples, sex is synonymous with intercourse. With intercourse, And a successful sexual experience means both partners orgasm. If a sexual interaction between you and your partner doesn't fall within these narrow parameters, it's easy to feel let down, like a failure, and inadequate. This can lead to anxiety about your sexual performance, especially if you or your partner are unable to achieve orgasm. And even that wording sexual performance and achieving orgasm exemplifies how we tend to view sex as a means to an end, but the fact is, what makes sex enjoyable between two people is often way more to do with intimacy than it is to do with physical gratification. Given this, it's important to expand the definition of what successful sex means in your relationship, and this is particularly true for couples that have a discrepancy in their interest in sex. Dr. Carol Brinklip Ellison describes intercourse and orgasms are choices, not requirements, for successful lovemaking. I have to agree to that, don't you? Try discussing what other intimate activities you can include in your sexual repertoire. So when one of you is not up for sex, you can still perhaps engage in an activity that brings intimacy, closeness, and perhaps sexual arousal as well. This might mean cuddling, massages, showering together, etc. Or even sexual activities other than intercourse, such as mutual masturbation or oral sex. Of course, having these conversations means that sex won't always look like it does in the movies where both people are so overcome with passion that with absolutely no discussion they seem to know exactly what the other person wants But in the movies let's be honest this often means having intercourse within 30 seconds of starting which is dumb like i remember watching a movie and the guy went down on the chick for like two seconds and then she came and i'm like that's not even it's not even real that's why porn has like such a fucked up view of actual sex like it's it's fucked up and we all know that and yet we still continue to watch it porn is a billion dollar industry industry and i mean we're all heathens whatever so in real life sex doesn't have to be any less romantic if you talk about it ahead of time in fact it can actually really increase intimacy and closeness between two people to be able to have frank, honest conversations about sex. So number four on their list was quantity versus quality. In addition to considering the frequency of sex with your partner, it is worth thinking about how enjoyable you find your sexual interactions. We often assume that just because we had sex and had an orgasm, that the experience was fulfilling and satisfying, but that's certainly not always the case. Reflect on the typical recent sexual interactions with your partner. Did you enjoy the positions? of day? Was there any discomfort or pain? Would you have liked the duration to be longer or shorter? Did you feel present or rushed or distracted? Were there fantasies or turn-ons that were incorporated into the experience? If the sexual experience with your partner is lacking for you, then it's unlikely you'll be looking to hop in the sack at every opportunity. And that's why I say quality versus quantity. There is another important conversation to have with your partner. You might have noticed that that that's a bit of a theme here ask yourselves and each other what makes sex worth having and go from there talking openly and candidly about likes dislikes preferences boundaries etc is critical for both partners to feel fulfilled by the sexual experience it can also lead to revelatory conversations which can add some interest and novelty to your sex life and their last piece of advice number five was schedule sex I remember back in the day when I would be like, "Oh, if I ever had to schedule sex with my partner, like, I, I was just, I just quit. Like, that should not be happening." But then I remember that a few years ago, I read this, I read this article in, I believe, Cosmopolitan, where the husband and the wife had this red pair of dice. Or I think it was a marble, a red marble, and either one and sometimes both. You know, they would leave for work, and before they left, one of them would place the red marble on the bed. Now, whether it was the wife or the husband, whatever, these guys were married for like 30 years, and this was a trick that they kept. They would just put the marble on the bed for the other to see, and they knew, and this was, it's, it's like, it's like psychological foreplay, they knew that at the end of the day, they had something to look forward to. So whether your day was extremely shitty, whether something bad happened, or whether it was a really good day, they knew that when they came home, it was on. So scheduling sex does seem to be a bit contra like a controversial issue. There's a huge emphasis put on spontaneous sex, to the point that, you know, I've heard people say that if you have scheduled sex and I was that person as well if you have to schedule sex, I think you might as well give up. As discussed earlier, this is largely contributed to by what we see in fictionalized relationships. Two people locking eyes, and suddenly in perfect unison, they fall into what appears to be the most satisfying sex of their entire lives. Bullshit. In real life, things don't typically go this way. Whether it's because there are a million and one life stressors that get in the way, or because two people have very different libidos and their feeling in the mood doesn't overlap. When you think about it, you probably started out scheduling sex without even realizing it. For example, when you didn't live together, you had to plan dates. And since these dates likely included sex, you were de facto scheduling sex. There may have also been some anticipation or excitement about the... Fuck, my contact just went dry. Sorry. Sorry. There may have also been some anticipation or excitement about the prospect of being intimate which probably influenced how you behaved towards each other so you weren't such of an asshole get it okay and because you weren't such of an asshole back then this probably enhanced the experience so was the sex really as spontaneous as it seemed dr ellison puts it spontaneity actually is the outcome of a series of incremental steps In which one thing leads to another and that's in their book sexual choreography page 151. so scheduling sex doesn't have to be a bad thing it can actually add some anticipation throughout the day which can be a turn on for a lot of people and best of all it can help in avoiding the cycle of hurt guilt and resentment that can often develop for couples with mismatched libidos ultimately the best way to approach any issue in your relationship Mismatched libidos included is to do so in an open, honest, empathetic way. That will give you both a chance to feel heard, understood, and validated. If you're struggling to have this conversation with your partner, couples therapy may be a good avenue to explore. Once again, I just want to say I am not a licensed therapist. You can, you guys can come to me. You can come to me as a couple. You can come to me one by one. At the end of the day. I am not a licensed therapist, and I will tell y'all this all day, every day, I am not a licensed therapist. I just read the articles and I give advice as much as I can based on those articles, okay? Okay, now back to our regular heathenist schedule program. The second question one of you guys had was, what's my favorite position for a new partner? Honestly, I've always said this, missionary to come, doggy style for fun. But there have been times I've ridden the heck out of someone because I just needed to let it out. You know, I needed to let out all of that pent up, just just pent up horny. Like there's no other word for it. It's it's very far and in between. I do that because, well, I don't exactly fit the social beauty standards. So, you know, writing, writing, sometimes it's difficult and that's just because I get in my head and then I think about how I look and then it's just like turn all of the lights off please but then again I realize like dude this guy has seen me naked however many times but still it's it's just the fact that I'm not the beauty standard or the standard for beauty and it can be fucking depressing granted if they ask for it I will. I'll ride them into the sunset and back, you know, or at least until my knees start hurting. Next question: Sex positions according to dick size. Oof. So, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Okay.
1: So I've noticed
0: that men with men with sometimes smaller. Granted, we all have preferences. So if you have an ass fetish, you have an ass fetish. I've noticed that men with like smaller appendages seem to have the biggest ass fetishes. And you have to lift mine and spread it apart to get the full, um, you know. Um, so if it's smaller, like three to four inches, I'd say you need to take the reins because when I've ridden one that size, it just kept falling out, and that was annoying. It wasn't even pleasurable at that point. It was just frustrating and it was annoying and i just wanted to be like you fucking do it because i i fucking can't um so missionary is probably best here then you know you have like the four to five inches you get a bit more leverage so you can kind of ride missionary and doggy is doable here five and up five inches and up you can pretty much do anything do all positions yeah yeah i will say my preference is around five to seven inches and that's just because I I can't be walking around with a bruised cervix. You know, granted, the sex may be good, but at the same time, it's like, I gotta be able to walk my kiddo to school in the morning. You know, I can't be fucking limping. Moving on. Do girls that are into anal actually enjoy it? Yes, otherwise, they wouldn't be into anal. Do you like getting your toes sucked during sex? Yes, it's an erogenous zone. Thoughts on titty fucking. It, it doesn't necessarily do anything for me. Like, I don't have a clit between my chest and it's not like, you know, unless you're stimulating me as you're titty-fucking me, it's like there's really nothing going on. But the pleasure it brings to my partner definitely pleases me. You know, like, yes, I'll do that for you. I have no problem doing this for you. What are the most common kinks couples try together? I've talked about this before in recent episodes BDSM and actually BDSM sometimes turns into swinging hotwifing, wifing getting the train run on you all of that stuff you know you once again open communication open you know like honest communication opens so many doors for you guys and then someone suggested I talk about having foreplay for 15 to 20 minutes before actual sex and I can't believe that I have to to even say that guys if you aren't having foreplay or any type of or if you're not trying to stimulate her whatsoever before sex and making sure that your female partner is extremely wet or you're just spitting on it to enter that can be extremely fucking painful play with her before you enter her or if she says please fuck me during foreplay she is more than goddamn ready them's the rules all right them's the new rules sorry i read this question and i just started giggling how long does it take for a cream pie to drip out completely in my experience around 24 to 48 hours and it kind of sucks when you're when the guys come fucks with your ph levels because even when you shower it can cause quite a bit of a smell for lack of a better word and then you're just kind of stuck like scrubbing the shit out of yourself um but yeah Remember, ladies, make sure he's worth it. Favorite color of lingerie. Red and black. Always. Do older women like younger men? Some do. Take my good friend, Just the prequel. She is a gorgeous 43-year-old woman with a 22-year-old boyfriend. I, myself, do love younger men, but I don't date anyone under 21. It's my own personal preference. If I had to buy your liquor and cigarettes, it's most likely a no for me. I'm not going to jail for you okay i got kids can't do it none whatsoever nay nay no no thoughts on a threesome with a co-worker well for the love of god don't dip your pen in company ink it ends badly okay don't shit where you eat it's gross it's gonna cause problems and because of that we're moving on to this next question Is eating ass bad for you? Well, only if the person whose ass you're eating has parasites or doesn't wash their ass regularly, or has no idea how to wipe. E. coli is not fun. Swallow or let him bust on your face. Honestly, it depends on the taste, but also my acne. If he tastes amazing, I'm swallowing. If he tastes like sauteed onions and battery acid, I'm definitely spitting that shit right back out. There is no reason for me to be put through that. That is rude and very inconsiderate. And all that acidity also does not belong on my face. Now, if he tastes good and wants to come on my face, I'm rubbing that shit in. Thank you so much for the free facial, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. You just saved me like $120. Thank you. (laughs) Circumcised or uncircumcised? I mean either or really in my culture being circumcised is not the norm plus uncircumcised men actually feel a lot more pleasure so whenever i counter one i don't exactly mind it how to give roadhead to a dude easy like you just kind of with arm rest up and hop on over and perform a little fellatio you know what i mean Have you ever done the Alabama Hot Pocket while suspended upside down and handcuffed? Let me let me Google this. Okay, so urban dictionary. That is disgusting. This is fucking this is worse than fucking felching. Why would you send this why would you ask me this don't fucking google that you guys don't fucking google an alabama hot pocket that's i mean the bacteria alone is no no god okay i just had to take a pause for effect oh jesus all right so do you have a breeding kink well what exactly is a breeding kink A breeding kink for those of you that don't know that you do or may not have this kink is when you're sexually aroused by the idea of having sex without a condom and being inseminated or inseminating someone. Like a horse. Essentially, you're just, you're getting dream pied and the thought, like the risky pregnancy is the, um, is what turns you on. And unfortunately, I do have this kink. Um, and I'm deathly afraid of getting pregnant again. So I'm fucking screwed. Thank God for plan B. Am I right? All right. Next question. If you had to choose between a gangbang or a train, which would you choose? Okay, so although these can actually overlap, a train is just more of a demeaning thing with a lineup of guys that bang the girl one right after the other with no input from the woman or concern for her own pleasure nerp that's a no hard no immediately no i'm good on that even when i watch gangbang porn it's like it has to be for the woman's pleasure Gangbangs are mostly with multiple men but they're also they're pleasuring her like they're like so i guess you know my answer to that one hardest hardest sex position you've tried well one time um i was kind of tied up like a human pretzel but my tits and my tummy were kind of in the way and i couldn't breathe so not only that but if you put me in that position for a while stuff is going to happen and i had to fart and i wasn't too sure if it was just a fart because of the position i was in and i'm actually i'm pretty surprised at the butt plug i had didn't like shoot out and just go through a fucking wall or break a window or something because yeah yeah human pretzel thing is a no for me is anal overrated okay so this one is kind of difficult because i don't think so some women will disagree some women if you don't warm them up correctly it will really fucking hurt it's like getting stabbed in the anus have you ever been stabbed in the asshole it's fucking painful also a hard no if you're not warming her up for it just just go just don't try anymore okay and then someone said i get turned on by sexting more than actual sex what is wrong with me well you probably like imagining sex more than actual sex so you should not just stop watching porn for a bit but you should probably stop masturbating for a while as well kind of you know build up that tension within yourself so try doing that for a bit see how that works what has been your fantasy and has it come true two men no it is not almost but one backed out because the dude wasn't the other dude wasn't black and that was just quote unquote for references yeah you know what i meant when i said references do you enjoy rooming and have you ever done it before yes does paying turn you on? Yes, absolutely. There's there's something so sexy about a man willing to let a woman dominate him and and just kind of push him past his comfort zone, you know? Just just to be willing and open to that is is what's very sexy to me. How do I communicate that although I'm sexually interested, I'm not ready for sex yet? Well, exactly that. But I think the words you should probably use are somewhere along the lines of I don't want to go too fast and rush things, because I'm genuinely interested in you. The most dangerous sexual position needs to be discussed. Reverse cowgirl. I read that. I read that the same way that I like read it in my head. So <laughs> this is actually funny. This I I have to agree to this. There's something about just riding him backwards and your ass jiggling and you taking control has a man busting in like less than five minutes in my opinion or in my experience you know or or they're like having to say wait 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 we're wait, switching positions on you like i don't know what it is about reverse cowgirl i'm thinking it's the visual of the ass jiggling all over the place that just kind of drives a man a little bit crazy next on our list was outfits slash underwear women want to see men in ah this is a tough one i think it kind of has to do with, are we going out? Are we going somewhere fancy? Do we need to dress up? Are we dressing down? Like, what's the deal? Are we just chilling at home? What are we doing? Um, I like my men in gray sweatpants. I think that that's lingerie in itself. Chill clothes, some nerdy shirt or a band tee with jeans on, a beanie and a leather jacket. But maybe that's because that's also how I dress. Now, obviously, if we're going to like a wedding, I don't want you to wear sweatpants to a wedding. That's super inappropriate if i'm dressing in heels and a dress you should probably up your wardrobe a little bit as well you know to kind of incorporate yourself with whatever it is that i'm wearing so there's that i mean i also wear combat boots with dresses so yeah i mean it really just depends on like where you're going and what you're doing but to me i think that a man that's most comfortable within himself and his body is just extremely sexy I, you know so i really don't care what a man is wearing unless like i said we're actually going out somewhere and um, that's that's i think is is detrimental to that next question was sex toys for men you have pocket pussies vibrating cock rings guys unfortunately don't have as many toys as women do you you have sex dolls but women do too you know i mean men can also use vibrators and dildos if you really want to get into it and no It's not gay if you get pegged by a woman. It's a woman. Just like I love boobs and I'm not gay. I just think boobs are great. So do gay men. It's not gay if a woman pays attention to your buttholes. Okay? Got it? Good. Alright y'all, that is it for this episode. Come back next week to listen to more shenanigans. I have no idea what it's going to be. Will it be a murderer? some mental health stuff whatever shall it be find out on the next episode of assault with morals whatever it is remember to quit being normal and embrace your weird okay love you bye